in Matthew, the 11th chapter. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to come down there with you, praise God. I'm glad you're here tonight. Um, what you've chosen tonight um, will not be taken away from you. Amen. And that's one of the things the Lord wanted me to, to, to tell you from the beginning tonight. What you've chosen tonight, the Bible says, won't be taken away from you because you've chosen something that is spiritual. You've come uh, to sit at the feet of Jesus and, and let Him teach you some things that, um, that are very important to Him. And what I've learned in my life and continue to learn is that if I'll make what's important to Him important to me, um, things are going to go a whole lot better for me. Amen. And um, so many times we have this attitude where, you know, we, we want to do our own thing and ask God to bless it. And, um, and he's, you know, merciful and gracious to us, you know, in, in the sense that, you know, he still helps us and loves us. But where the, where the real sweet spot of life is, is in finding out what's in his heart and what his desires are and his passions are for you. And you commit yourself to those things. And um, he said that if we, would, if we would do that, if we would put his desires for us first, seek first his kingdom and his ways of being and doing right, that everything else in our lives that we need be added to us. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, I know maybe not all of you, but a lot of you were here this morning, and, and um, I really tried to pack a lot of stuff into the message this morning in a short period of time. Um, but there's, some, there's still some things from that that I want us to go back to tonight and look at. So um, Matthew chapter uh, 11, verse 28, Jesus speaking. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One way to understand what Jesus covered and what he meant when he said he would give us rest is for us to think about all the things that make us tired, all the things that wear us out, all the things that weigh us down and, and weigh heavily upon us. And again, that list could be a very long one. Um, everything from, you know, just you know, different issues in our family or you know, different issues in our physical health or, or what have you. But one of the things that's absolutely included in this word rest is provision, is provision, okay? Because at the end of this, when he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, that word easy can throw you if you're not careful. Um, it, it literally means... Um, Furnished, furnished and, and provision and beneficial and profitable and, and good for use. Um, so he's saying that when we enter into this yoke of fellowship with him, this is how we walk out and enjoy and experience all that he's freely given to us, all that he has freely provided for us. Now those are things that I absolutely love to teach on. I love to teach people who they are in Christ and what belongs to them because of who they are in Christ. So um, I'm really tempted to, to camp out there for a little while tonight, but I want to I focus on some things I believe that we really, really need to see um, from these verses. So we said there's a simple pattern here. Jesus says, come and he'll give. Come and he'll give. Amen. Then he says, take my yoke and learn. Take my yoke and learn. And then we see that by taking the yoke and learning, through learning, we discover 
the rest that he's already given to us. So this, again, I know we spent a good bit of time on that this morning, and, and, and it's such an important part because if we're not careful, and the Bible tells us throughout the, uh, the writings of Paul, the Holy Spirit speaking to us, he says, don't, don't let anybody cheat you. Don't let anybody, one word is, don't let anybody spoil you. And he's not talking about like, you know, like a, a kid that's spoiled. That's not what he means. He's talking about somebody stealing from you um, what Father God has freely given to you. All right. So come and I'll give. Take my yoke and learn. Learn and you'll discover all that he has freely given to you. Now, as we move into this tonight, We've been talking about, and we're going to continue to do that tonight, giving God the place that he deserves in our lives. Giving him the place that he deserves in our lives. And we said we're learning about that, we're growing in that, and, um, and as we grow it requires you know, greater commitment from us, greater steps of faith. Um, some of you uh, this year... Um, and I certainly would embarrass anybody. Some of you have had conversations with me. Um, Sunday night hadn't always been the place you've been on. Uh, a church on Sunday night hadn't always been the place you've been, but you've, you've made a commitment to that. Thank you for that. Amen. And again, these are practical, tangible ways that we can give Father place or a greater place in our lives by assembling ourselves together and taking advantage of the opportunities that we have um, to do that. Amen. So, as we talk about giving him place, there's a key word in this passage, and it's the word that we um, see in uh, verse 29, where he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, the Bible was not written in English. It was written in Hebrew and Greek and translated into English. Some of you have heard me say this so many times over the years that you can finish these sentences for me. But again, be rude not to bring everybody up to speed on this. So if you've heard it before, just bear with me for a moment, all right? And both Hebrew and Greek are more complex languages than the English language. And so we have many words from the Greek language translated into our singular word learn, learn. Now this particular word translated learn is one of the highest forms or one of the highest levels of learning. It is the Greek word manthano, M-A-N-T-H-A-N-O. Now this word manthano, it means to put forth an intense effort to learn by experience. To put forth an intense effort to learn by experience. Remember we said this morning there's no such thing as burdenless Christianity. And the burden that Jesus is referring to here, the yoke that he's referring to here is a yoke of fellowship. And the burden that he's referring to is the effort that we must put forth to, to have fellowship with him and we used 
in the message this morning, we use the example of any relationship that you have in your life requires effort. You have to give people place. You have to give people time. You, you, you can't have a close relationship with somebody that you never give any time to or give any place to in your life. And so when, when we're talking about taking his yoke and then um, the, the, the yoke is easy, the burden is light, he's, he's talking about the, the commitment, the effort, the time that we have to devote, if you will, um, to walking alongside Jesus, allowing Jesus to, to, to have that place, if you will, in our lives so that we can learn from Him through that yoke of fellowship things that we could not learn any other way. So again, let me, let me go back to the, to the word learning. Learning. This word learn means, again, to put forth an intense effort. This isn't just phoning it in. This isn't just showing up. This, this is speaking of a commitment of the highest level to, to learn and, and, and to receive what someone else is teaching. Now, in, again, in the Greek, this highest form of learning corresponds to the highest form of teaching. And that highest form of teaching is the Greek word didasko, D-I-D-A-S-K-O, didasko. Now, the idea behind didasko, this is when someone teaches, but not just to teach to pass along information. This is the highest form of teaching, and it is teaching meant to assimilate oneself into those being taught. The idea behind assimilating means that this, this is the, the master disciple, if you will, model that we see in Scripture. And a, and, a, and a master teaches his disciples for the purpose of reproducing himself in those disciples. Not just to tell the disciple what he knows, not just to tell the student what he knows, but to reproduce himself in that individual student, within, within that, that man or that woman. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, this word manthano, derivatives in the Greek language are the two words mathetes, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S, or mathetria, they're gender specific. And if you, if you were to look up the word disciple in the Greek language, it's going to be the word mathetes for a male disciple or mathetria for a female disciple. So when he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, he's speaking of discipleship. He's speaking of discipleship. Now, in the earthly ministry of Jesus, we see that there were lots of different people who had different levels of commitment to Him. In John chapter 2 and in John chapter 8, we see where a group of Jewish people, the Bible says they believed on Jesus. In John chapter 2, the Bible says He didn't commit Himself to Him. In John chapter 8, He told them if they'll continue in His Word, they will be His disciples indeed. They'll know the truth and the truth will make them free. And, and they became offended at Jesus for even suggesting that they needed some kind of improvement or freedom in their lives beyond what they were experiencing currently. So notice, these people had some level of interest, we could even say some level of commitment, but not very much. 
And we see that Jesus, because of the place that they gave Him, or we could say it this way, the place that they refused to give Him, Jesus was not able to trust them with things that He wanted to entrust to them. He couldn't commit to them what He wanted to commit to them because they weren't willing to make any deeper level of commitment to Him. He could not respond to them by committing and trusting to them what it was that He came to give whosoever you know, will step up to this thing. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, let's do this. You're in Matthew 11. Turn, turn over uh, to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, just a couple of pages there. Praise God. And um, thank you, Jesus. Okay, Matthew 13. Let me just orient you real quick here. Beginning at verse 1, Jesus gives um, a parable of parables. In other words, he's going to say that if we don't understand this parable, how can we understand any of the others? It is a, it is a master key parable. And it's the parable of the sower, S-O-W-E-R. He's talking about uh, a, a man who plants seed. And we see as Jesus unfolds the parable, the, the, the seed that's being planted is the Word of God. So he delivers this parable, and there's a, there's a discussion with his disciples before the parable is explained. And it begins in verse 10. Listen to this. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them... It has not been given. Wow. Wow. Again, I'm going to read that verse again. He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you. Who is he speaking to now? He's speaking to his disciples. Not just people who are curious about him. Not just people who went out to hear one of his sermons. Not just somebody who went out to see if maybe he could help them with an ingrown toenail. These are folks, he's talking to people now who have made a commitment that other people have not been willing to make. Or let me say it another way. He's talking to people now who have given him place in their lives that other people have not been willing to give him. And he says, I speak to the multitudes, I speak to the masses in parables. Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So what we see here is that our willingness to take that yoke that Jesus is offering to us has everything to do with our ability to learn from Him what we need to learn. Let me say it another way. People who would not give Him that place did not learn those mysteries. They were not taught those mysteries. Those, those answers, if you will, were not given to them. Now, I'm not here... Listen... I know that for some folks, especially those of you who may be new to this, you know, your first thought is, well, that's not fair. Well, let's not, I know we may have those thoughts, but listen, don't ever, ever, ever make the mistake of believing or thinking that God's not fair. He is absolutely fair. 
So what we need to learn and understand from this is, is how all of this you know, works in our lives. And, and of course, recognizing that, that Father's ways are higher than our ways because His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, and, and it's, it's not up to us to tell Him how He ought to do things. It's up to us to understand what it is that, that He is looking for from us, right? So that, so that we can take that yoke. Remember, He's offering it, but not, not everybody's taking it. There are a lot of born-again people who have yet to take the yoke. They, they, have, they have yet to submit themselves, surrender themselves, humble themselves, and give Jesus that place in their lives. So we see again that because these men were, were disciples, what made them disciples? They knew everything? No. What made them disciples? They, 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 they were, had more money than everybody else? No. What made them disciples? What made them disciples was their commitment. What made them disciples was the place they gave Jesus in their lives that other people were not willing to give them, give Jesus. Well, let me, let's just take this a little bit further. Because even among the twelve, there were three that were in on things the other nine weren't in on. Seems to me like Peter, James, and John on more than one occasion were separated out from the others and had things revealed to them, had things made known to them, had things shown to them that were not shown to other people. While we're here, John 14. John 14. How many of you, th how many of you think knowing the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven might help us a little bit here on the earth? How many of you think this ought to be something we're interested in? This ought to be something that, that brings our hearts to attention. This ought to be something that says, man, you mean there's something that I can do. There's some commitment I can make. There's some place that I can give Jesus in my life that will enable Him to reveal mysteries and hidden truths and wisdom from God in my life that's not necessarily being revealed to other people. And the answer to that question is absolutely yes. All right, in John... Man, there's so much here to read. In John chapter 14, let me, and I remind you that I left the notes up on the pulpit. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just, give me just a moment. Holy Spirit will help me. Praise God. Let's begin at verse 19. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. How about that for oneness, right? He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That word manifest there literally means to appear, to come into view, to reveal, to exhibit, to make visible, to present oneself to the sight of another, to be conspicuous. 
So again, he says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now again, I know that a lot of you know this, but just make sure that we're all reminded. Jesus' commandments are not the Ten Commandments. Jesus' commandments are to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that sounds like giving Him the place He deserves in our lives, right? And He says that whoever does this, Jesus says, I will manifest myself to Him. I will, I will reveal myself to Him. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to Him, Lord, how is it that You will manifest Yourself to us and not to the world? Do you realize what he's asking? He's like, hold on a second, Jesus, I'm confused here. How is it that, that those who keep your commandments, who, who put you first, who love you above all else in their lives, how is it that they will be able to see you and other people will not be able to see you? No, it's, it's kind of like if, um, I don't know, whoever, Governor Ivy, uh, Governor of Alabama, it'd be like she walked in here tonight and of course, any of us, you know, who have physical eyesight would be able to see her. And so it would be like her saying, look, I'm, I'm going I'm to come and you're going to be able to see me, but other folks in the room are not going to be able to see me. And you're like, well, how is that possible? But that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. And, and he's saying, the, the, those in the world will not see me. Those who, who are not giving me this place in their lives will not see me, but those who do will. And so Judas, by the way, Judas used to be a really popular name until the one named Judas Iscariot pulled his stunt and obviously not many folks name their children Judas anymore, right? <laughs> Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. All right, so now, are you seeing this? I know this is a little different tonight. I'm trying to teach you some stuff tonight. Connect some things together maybe that you already know about, but I'm trying to, to, to show you how, how this works. Now, praise God. we got a few more minutes. You good? Let's go now back over to John, the 8th chapter. I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this down for a minute. I'm just going to talk to you, okay? Amen. I've mentioned this um, once before. And to be perfectly honest with you, I thought we would have been there by now. But several weeks back, I asked you to read John uh, chapter 5 and John chapter 10 and John chapter 14 and John chapter 17, all right? Now, what, what we see in these chapters is that those who refused to give Jesus place, his words 
have no place in their hearts, and they cannot understand what he's saying. So you think about that for a minute now. Again, I can show you verse after verse after verse. I'm not, I don't want to try to take the time to fish all those out right now, okay? He said, for instance, my sheep know my voice. He said, if you knew me, if you loved me, if you accepted me, if you received me, he says it different ways, right? Then my word would have a place in you. And you would understand what I'm saying, but because you have not given me the place in your life that I deserve, you do not understand the word that's coming out of my mouth. Think about that now. Compare that to the disciples and the commitment that they made and the understanding. They didn't understand it all at first, but they're growing in that understanding. They're increasing in that understanding. All right. John chapter 8. A lot is happening in John the 8th chapter. And part of it is... Let me, let me see if I can say it to you this way, okay? In Jesus' day, credibility was established based upon the people you studied under. So, one of the more renowned scholars of the day was a man named Gamaliel. And so, let's say that you were a young rabbi who you know, felt called of God to teach the scriptures and you went and you studied under one of these men. Let's say you had the opportunity to study under Gamaliel, sit at the feet of Gamaliel is how it would be explained. When you then went to teach, you had that credential. You, you could basically say, you know, I studied under Gamaliel and Gamaliel taught me these things, and so the message that I'm giving to you now, um, you know, has uh, been certified or, or what have you by Gamaliel. In other words, it, 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 by, it, what's the right word, invoking or using that name, it would cause people to, to listen. And of course, Jesus just chapped their hides when he pointed out that they all received honor from one another. And they should be seeking the honor that comes from God. They were giving people place in their lives, but not giving God place in their lives. And so they kept pointing out that Jesus didn't have those credentials. They said, you can't be right. You're the only one saying what you're saying. You, where, did, where does he get these things? It wasn't like somebody just told you some crazy story and you're like, man, where in the world did you get that from, right? No, when they're saying, where did he get these things, they're wanting to know what renowned scholar that was respected with all the letters behind his name, right, that he studied under. 
And Jesus would just look them right in the eye and say, I got them from my father. I got them from my father, my father. This is my father's word. These are my father's teachings. These are my father's sayings. He says, but because I have no place in you, my father's sayings have no place in you. You see in this, right? It all comes back to place. See, we, in the body of Christ, we've been guilty of, 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 of two things. We've wanted Jesus to have a place in our lives that we have not given His Word. Right? We wanted Him to just sweep in and fix everything and do everything without ever opening the Bible, without ever trying to understand how to swing the sword of the Spirit, without ever trying to equip ourselves. And, and you know, uh, it's like Romans 10, you know, we talked about this on Wednesday night in the discipleship class. Um, what does the word of faith say? It does not say, Jesus, come down here and fix this for me. Nor does it say, Jesus, you need to be raised up from the dead to come fix this for me. But the word of faith is nigh unto, unto thee, even in thy mouth. The word of faith which we speak. Amen. So, we've wanted Jesus to have a place in our lives that we have not given His word. And then the other side of that coin is we've wanted His Word to have a place in our lives that we've not given Him. We've wanted to be able to speak the Word and, that, and His Word have power over uh, the devil and over problems and issues and what have you in our lives, but we've not given Him that place. He even told him in one, in one spot in the Scripture. He said, you search the Scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. But you fail to realize that every one of those verses that you've read and memorized are pointing to me. So again, His Word can't have a place in our lives that He doesn't have, and He can't have a place in your life that His Word doesn't have. But man, when you give them both place, come on now. Remember what uh, Peter said when so many people walked away from Jesus because they didn't understand what he was saying and Jesus says are you going to leave me also and Jesus Jesus looked at him you know to the 12 those that were closest to him he says are, are you going to leave me too and Peter says where else would we go you have the words of life one translation says Jesus when you speak something comes alive on the inside of me why did something come alive on the inside of Peter that didn't come alive on the inside of other people when Jesus spoke? Because Peter had given Jesus a place in his life that other people had not given him. And now the Word of God is working in Peter's life when it's not working in other people's lives. Alright, i got to finish this. Amen. John chapter 8. So there's a lot that's going on here. Jesus is, you know dealing with these folks who are saying that you know he can't be right what he's saying because he's the only one saying it and and of course there's a woman that was caught in the act of adultery and Jesus stood up to the religious bullies and and then you know they try to outwit him and they just are embarrassed again at his wisdom and and um, uh, let's just jump in at verse 30 as he spoke these words many Believed in him. Now we've referenced this a time or two um, when we looked at those verses in John 2 where the Bible says that many Jews believed on him but Jesus did not entrust himself to them or commit himself to them. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, 
you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Look at me for just a moment. He just offered them a yoke of fellowship. He just offered them the opportunity to make a commitment to him that would have potentially revolutionized their lives and their, and their family history. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Let me tell you how you can tell if somebody has place in your life. You ready? How well you respond to them telling you no. Amen. How well you respond to them telling you no. Right? See, it's very easy for us to say, oh, I have respect for this, I honor my father and my mother, all these other things, right? You know, but where we really see the place that we've given someone is when they say something we don't agree with. See, they were all believing in Jesus. They were all thinking Jesus was it on a stick. They were all impressed with Jesus. They were all in awe of how he stood up to those religious bullies and how he outwitted them. And, and man, they're like, Jesus is just all right with me. Seems like somebody sang a song like that, right? And Jesus sees a crack in the door and he says, all right, why don't you come alongside me, Manthano with me, learn from me, and you'll know the truth, and that truth will make you free. And they're like, hold on just a second, buddy. Who, who do you think you are saying we're not free? We're Abraham's descendants. Don't you know who we are? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Yoke, right? Yoke of bondage. And a slave does not abide in the house forever. Does that sound like something Jesus said we looked at earlier, Right? Me and my father will make our abode. A slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Listen to this, verse 37. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. 
You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. L listen now. Jesus, this is what I believe the tone of this is. Jesus is not like up in their face, like, nah, 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 right? He's like trying to get something to click on the inside of them. He's like, all I've done is good. I've healed children. I've cast out demons. I've, I've, I've loved. I've, I've blessed. I've, you, you follow what I'm saying? Why, why is this, you know, making you so angry that you want to kill me? These people who just said they believed in him, but Jesus knew what was in them, right? So it's a long story, I'll try to make it brief. There was a, a period of time in Matthew's young teenage years where he had kind of, let's just simply say, kind of veered off the path a little bit. How about that? And... Um, he woke up on a uh, Saturday morning. We were having breakfast, and, and um, it's kind of a big deal at our house on Saturday morning, pancakes, the whole deal, you know, because I'm a breakfast guy, Matt, morning guy. Matt was really, in those days, not much of a breakfast or a morning guy. And, um, but this particular Saturday morning, he had a crick in his neck, and he was just in pain and hurting, you know. And... Um, you know, I don't know if y'all can see me all in the back, but, you know, he's kind of just all oh, just, you know, just, just not feeling good, head turned to the side, you know. And he walked into the kitchen to look over, see what was cooking, and, and when my mother turned around and saw it, she, um, come, come stand right here, Aaron, for a minute. When, when, when mom looked over at Matt and saw it, she, and I'm watching this from the table waiting on my pancakes, she says, she didn't touch him. She swung like this across his shoulder and she said, get off of him in the name of Jesus. Well, when she did that, you can sit down, thank you. When she did that, his, his head went, that crick released. Now listen, we're about done, so you don't have to run for the exit, sorry, but just hear me, all right? What, there was, a, there was, there was a, a manifestation of the spirit that was taking place there. It's called discerning of spirits. Different from discernment, different from a woman's intuition, discernment is, it, it, discerning of spirits is when the Holy Spirit shows you when there's a demonic spirit involved. And what she saw was a little demon about that big on his shoulder, whispering in his ear, mocking her, mocking the Word of God, mocking what our family believes and stands for. So it wasn't like my mother planned it. it she might as well have seen a tarantula on his shoulder. You understand what I'm saying? It was a, just a response. When she saw that, swung, knocked it off, get off in the name of Jesus, neck released, pain instantly gone. Watch this now. And it made him mad. <laughs> you heard my mama say very, right? Okay, so my dad's a Marine Sergeant. You don't get mad at mama and keep your eating teeth. You know what I'm saying? It just don't work at our house. Amen. And so, no, I'm just kidding. All right. But now watch this, okay? 
the Holy Spirit used that because Matt could not put together in his mind, she helped me and it made me mad. Turning point in his life, right? It, I was in misery, I was in agony, and she helped me and I got mad at her. Why did I get mad at her? I should have hugged her neck, I should have kissed her, I should have thanked her, right? See, those thought wasn't adding up. It's a turning point in his life. I don't know, it was just a week or two later. A week or two later, he came home from a Sunday night, after church on a Sunday night, and, and we, me and Meredith already in bed, and he just started pouring his heart out to mom and dad. He said, I want to live for God, I just don't know that I can. And, because mom and dad said, you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit, Matt. He'll help you do it, you know. And, of course, I was um, awakened to him praying very loudly in tongues for how many hours? Till sun up. I don't know. How many hours, mom? I don't exaggerate. Yeah, six hours from midnight to six in the morning. He prayed, sang every language known to man in heaven, I think, for... And so me and Meredith are sitting on the bottom step. They didn't know we were listening about daylight. You know, mom and dad said, we ought to go get Mark and Meredith up, you know, let them know what's going on. You know, and we're like, <laughs> you know, we're back there listening to all this stuff. Now, I told you that whole story to say, I believe that's what Jesus was doing here. He's like, listen, there's a little crack in that door. I'm the guy that forgave that lady that they set up with the adultery thing. I'm that guy that put these religious bullies in their place. I'm that guy that's making sense out of the senseless, you know, hypocrisy of religion. I'm the guy that's, you know, my word doesn't have a place in you. What I'm, you can't even listen to what I'm saying. You, you can't hear and receive it, right? What is he trying to do? Not, he's not trying to quote unquote put them in their place. He's trying to get them to put him in his place in their lives. Amen. All right, praise God. Stand up with me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Man, so much to say. Praise God. Let me, because I don't know if we'll come back to this yoke part. So let me just say this last little bit here. The imagery of that yoke, you and Jesus, shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm, moving through life together, bound by the commitment that he's made to you and you've made to him. It's such a beautiful picture of what he wants to do in your life. You think, and I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, I'm trying to sit back and figure out, okay, what part is my part? What part is his part? You know, what do I need to do? What does he need to do? You know, what do I need to wait on him to do? What is, what is he waiting on me to do? You know, I know that I don't just sit back and suck the cream out of cream-filled donuts while he does it all, but I also know that he doesn't expect me to do it all, Right? But again, if, if you'll start with that, that imagery that he gave us, it becomes, I think, more clear that it's not what does he do, what do I do, but what do we do together? What do we do together? And, um, and it's a beautiful thing. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much, men and women, who, Lord, are here on a Sunday night when there's so many other things happening in the world that so many people are participating in. Yet, Father, they've chosen what I believe is, is, the, is the best thing, Lord, something that will never be taken away from them. Father, our desire is that you help us by your Holy Spirit to give both Jesus and his words the right place in our lives. That in all things he might have the supremacy, that in all things he might be preeminent. Father, thank you for helping us grow up into him in the life that you created us to live. 
Lord, thank you for helping us in our own simple, humble way, Lord, to slip our shoulders into that yoke with him, alongside him. Lord, to, to give you, Jesus, the, the, the opportunity to, to walk with us. Lord, help us, if nothing else, just stay mentally connected to you um, as we go about the rest of our day and evening and, and our days tomorrow. We thank you for a great week ahead in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you again for being here. Blessings, I release blessings to you. Uh, good things coming, amen.